Amen. Oh, my goodness. We call Henry Cowbell. We always need a little more cowbell, right? Oh, my goodness. It's been a great worship service so far. I want to thank Inez and, and Manny for sharing our, their thoughts for communion and our worship team for bringing us to the throne of God in song. Let's go to God with a word of prayer, and I have a message for you this morning. Let's pray. God in heaven, we want to thank you, Father, for giving us a beautiful day. Uh, we always appreciate the days when the humidity level are low. God, we also uh, pray that you will help us to have our minds and our hearts open to your word today, and God, that you will remove all anxieties from our hearts so we can focus on you. Uh, God, we do pray that you will help us uh, to continue to walk in your light. And for those of us who don't know what that means, I pray that you will help them to be humble enough to accept your invitation to know what it means to walk in the light. And God, that we know that there are uh, a lot of us, we're all at a different place in our faith, and we just pray that you'll help us to come together as one, uh, especially uh, in a hurting and dying world like ours, God. We, we desperately need uh, more people to shine their light for you. God, let my words be yours. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last Sunday, Ed did a fantastic job, didn't he? Where is he? Is he here? Oh, there he is. All right. I thought he took off like, you know, it was like going on his preaching world tour or something. And prayerfully, we'll hear more from him soon. So, you know, just be praying. I love this message. God's got it. Now go. I love that. I especially appreciate the simplicity of the message, uh, the reminder that God gave me a message, and I need to just go ahead and do it. But I don't know about you. I, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, when you hear a challenging message like that, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm all about God taking care of my business. I take it to him every day. But his business... You know, I don't know if you were, if you felt challenged, you know, right away I thought of all the reasons not to go. And the main reason was I'm tired. I'm just tired, you know, like, Lord, I had a long week and now I got to go. I just got here. I just came in. Now I got to go. It felt like I've been going all summer. And, you know, if you've been walking with God for a long time, at some point in your walk, Spiritual fatigue starts to set in. And you find yourself slipping a little bit. And it's all right. Look, the Bible, Bible tells us. It prepared us for that, right? He says, outwardly we are what? Wasting away. But on the inside, we should be renewed day by day. And so that message really called me out of a little rut I felt myself slipping into, especially in the summer. Isn't it hard to go anywhere in the summer? My family likes to go to the beach. I'm like, that makes no sense to me. I mean, logically speaking, I'm going to go into the heat to walk on hot sand, tear my toes up, go in the water, which I can only be in for about a hot second, to come back out, walk on the hot sand. And oh, by the way, I'm taking some of this hot sand with me. 
that I'm going to be cleaning up for a whole month. But, you know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer or anything like that. They want to go to the beach. You got to go to the beach. I'll stay home with the AC. But that's me. And sometimes, you know, you find yourself just whining and complaining about everything, don't you? I mean, the beach is beautiful. You know, I, I look, I, I focus on the negative. That's my tendency is to look at the things that could go wrong, such as cleaning up sand for months and months on end. Instead of enjoying time with the family, enjoying the water, enjoying the beauty of God's creation. So my message today is simply this. Stop whining and start shining. Can I get a little help with my AV crew over here? Stop whining and start shining. Now, most of the reasons why I didn't want to go it's because I was just making excuses. I was just making excuses. And when you realize that you're making excuses, a message like what Ed preached last week will convict you if you're ready to stop making excuses. Now, if you're not ready to start, stop making excuses, then you'll hear a message like that. You'll be like, oh, he's not talking to me. He's talking to James. Because James likes making excuses. But there's a scripture that we're called to obey here in Philippians Chapter 2, it says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and deprived generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. You know, God wants us to be different. He wants us to keep a godly perspective on life. When all things are dark around us, God wants us to be the light that the world sees. Someone once said that complaining is like bad breath. You notice it when it comes out of someone else's mouth, but not your own. You know, the Bible describes four types of complainers. And we're going to look at them today. The first is the whiner. Whiners often wake up with a bad attitude. In Psalm 73, verse 3, it says, For I envy the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such pain, painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. You ever found yourself saying these things? Or something like that. You know, I find myself sometimes envying happy people. Like, man, how could they be in such a good mood? I live with my wife. It seems like she's always in this perpetually good mood. I'm like, I wake up in a bad mood sometimes. And she wakes up and she's... And she's like, good morning, sweetie. I'm like, that's only sometimes, all right? I'm usually better after I get my cup of coffee. Then I'm like, hmm, you know. But sometimes we wake up whining. It's hot. Oh, who turned off the AC? Or, you know, it's cold. Who turned on the AC? You know, it's like we, we wake up whining. But especially when we start comparing our lives and our situation to other people. Like, how could she just have a baby look like that? 
wait a second, I'm doing the math, and I've been working X amount of years. I ain't driving no car like that. How, how, can, how can he afford to drive something that nice? And, you know, we, we start complaining ourselves. They seem to have it all together. They dress better. They look better. They smell better. They appear to be carefree. And we just can't understand. How is it that we can't move forward? And we're steady comparing ourselves. And we start to whine about our life. You know, it reminds me of these men in Jesus' story in Matthew 20, verse 11. It says, when they received it, now Jesus is telling this parable about, you know, calling workers into this vineyard and uh, the, the you know, landowner had called some workers to work in his vineyard. He called some uh, earlier in the day and then he called some later in the day. And we pick up here in verse 11, it says, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men were hired last, the women who were hired last worked only for one hour. And you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. These guys come in last minute and you give them equal pay. That's not fair. Let me tell you something. Life can feel unfair, right? Matter of fact, life is unfair. It appears that the people who work hard get to enjoy it less than the people who don't work as hard. Or you can own something and work hard and, and you know, you, you get your place or you get your car and you finally saved up and you get all the nice things you want. And what happens? Someone carelessly drives down the street and knocks your win window off. Or you get a scratch on your bumper. Or you invite someone over to your house. You just finally got your apartment done. And you invite a family over and instead of them taking their shoes off, they're scuffing up your floors, and you're like, see, this is why I don't want to practice hospitality. It just feels unfair on your job. You've been working hard. You've been showing up on time. You come back from your breaks on time. You don't do watch any inappropriate material on the Internet. You're doing the best you can, and somebody else gets promoted over you. That ain't fair. That ain't fair. But that's life. That's life. But you know where life is fair? In heaven. With God. All things will be made fair with God. See, we must be people. We have to show people how godly men and women deal with life's unfair treatment. Whining will only keep us from shining. Let's look at the next one, the victim. No one cares about me. This is a picture of Moses with his, his church, the Israelites. And back in, in Numbers chapter 11, verses 10 through 15, you know, Moses, now let's, let's just do a brief history recap here. Moses had just freed all of God's people from slavery in Egypt. They were oppressed. They were mistreated. They were loathed by the Egyptians. And they complained and they cried out to God and God heard their cries and sent them a savior, Moses and Aaron. And through several attempts, several miracles, 
Pharaoh finally releases God's people. And God takes them on a journey to a land he had promised that he would give their fa- their, from their forefathers. And so they finally make this journey. And on this journey, now mind you, God provided everything they needed. He told them that your sandals would not wear out in the desert. And when they wanted food to eat, guess what God did? He rained it down from heaven. I mean, imagine you're trying to budget and you want to not eat out and you're rushing out to get out to work and you forget to bring your lunch. And you're like, Lord, I'm trying to be wise. I'm trying not to buy lunch out, but I don't have any money for lunch. And you just pray and a sandwich falls right out of heaven, right into your lap. And you're like, look at God, right? And then you open it up and you realize it's gluten-free. And you know that can only be from God. I mean, manna was falling from the sky. They didn't have to eat anything. And then they were like, well, you know, we're getting tired of this manna. We decided we don't want to be vegan anymore. We want some meat. And what does God do? God sends down quail from the sky. They got so much meat that was coming out of their nose, the Bible says. And here's Moses. Shows up. Well, as a matter of fact, this is probably before church. It says, Moses heard the people of every family wailing, each at the entrance of his tent. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms and nurse them as infants to the land you promised on up to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give me meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden's too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, put me to death right now. If I found favor in your eyes, and don't let me face my own. Moses was feeling it. Moses was feeling like the only victim, right? He asked God, why you give me these big babies to carry around in this hot desert? He was having the only pity party for himself. Let me ask you a question. How do you react when things don't go your way? Do you take it out on God? Do you take it out on the church? Do you take it out on your family? Moses was having the only pity party right here. Now, there's a hidden warning in this verse. In verse 10, Moses heard the people of every family, each at the entrance of his own tent. You know, I believe part of why God was angry was because they were complaining in front of their children. They were complaining in front of the next generation. And so here we are. God has called us out. God is saving us. God is rewarding us. And we're complaining about his blessings or what we feel we're entitled to. And they were complaining in front of their kids. You know, grumbling and complaining can destroy the faith of others. Those who are young in the faith, 
and those who are still trying to find their faith. It's contagious. And God does not like it. God does not like it. And I wonder how many of our children would have greater faith in God and his church if they heard less whining and seen more shining. The next is the cynic. Cynicism is the fruit of distrust. Specifically, a distrust of other people's motives and plans when you're not involved in it. When you aren't part of the plans, it's easy to become very cynical. Well, they didn't ask my opinion, so I'm not down with it. Or, well, well, I don't, they didn't ask me. I've been around for X amount of years. No one asked me what I thought. They didn't ask my permission. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. That attitude can really jack us up for a long time. It could mess us up. I've been there. I understand what that feels like to be on the outside of the decision-making circle. And here's the thing. If you trust God, it's easier to trust the people that are leading you to God. Because ultimately it comes to trusting God. You know, this is that there's nothing new under the sun type of attitude that Solomon wrote about over in Ecclesiastes 1. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Verse 9, it says, history merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here's something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever true. You ever have a conversation with someone like that? Like you're trying to be really positive and like, yeah, I'm really excited about what we're doing. It's like, I ain't new. We did that before. It's meaningless. Yeah, but I didn't do it before. Yeah, I did. It's meaningless. I did that whole Bible talk thing before. Yeah, meaningless. Yeah, but I'm excited about my covenant relationship. Yeah, meaningless. Been there, done that. Not new under the sun. And then we go down a whole laundry list of why it's not going to work. Just cynical. Just cynical. Here we go again. Why are we doing that? Who came up with that idea? You know, this attitude keeps us from seeing the new opportunities in God's ancient plan. God's plan is never going to change, so just get your heart behind that. Just just deal with that. God's plan is never going to change. We're always going to have to seek out and save the lost. That's never going to change. And God will always use people to help other people come to Jesus. That's never going to change. Never. Get used to it. Embrace it. God wants you to be a part of that plan. Get used to it. It's never going to change. But we can see new opportunities on how to bring people to Christ. New methods on how to bring people to Christ. But when we're cynical about everything and everybody who comes up with a good idea, then you'll never move. Let's not forget what the Bible teaches. God is a God of new things. The Bible teaches that God is a God who makes all things new. 
A God who mercies are new every morning, who gives people new hearts, who puts a new song in us. That's who God is. He is a God of new. He is the ancient God. He is the omega. He's the alpha. But God is a God of newness. Think about when you came to God. You were new. You were made new in Christ. The old was gone and the new has come. And here's the thing about God. Every time we repent and continue to walk in the light, we're renewed by his spirit. We're renewed by the blood of Christ. So you're new every morning is what the scriptures are telling us right there. See, cynics are stuck in the past, unwilling to move forward. If it didn't work then, it's not going to work now because there's nothing new under the sun. You cannot shine if you're stuck in behind. And let me tell you something right here. The only reason we should look back is to see how far God has brought us. Amen? So let's talk about how do we go from whining to shining. Let's talk about how to go from whining to shining. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Do everything without what, church? Arguing and complaining. Some of your translations may say grumbling. Now, here's the thing. You might be like, well, James, wait a second. What if they didn't make my latte the way I like it? Do I not have the right to complain? Look, think about how you would want them to treat you if you made their latte the wrong way and do so. Amen? Amen. Let's move on. Treat them as you would. See grumbling as it is. Sin. Now, when God talks about do not complain about everything, he's talking about everything. Don't complain about your marriage. Don't complain about your kids. Don't complain about your job. Don't complain about your work, your commute to your job. Don't complain about your way home from your job. God talks about everything because we're to show the world how to deal with the world. We need to set that example. The second thing is see grumbling as it is. Sin. When you have a conviction that grumbling is sin, then you'll take the right action and have the right attitude towards it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, it says, And don't grumble as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as an example for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. That's us. That's us. Grumbling is a sin. It was so serious that it kept the Israelites, it kept that whole generation that grumbled against God from reaching into the promised land. They walked around the desert for 40 years until every last grumbler died. And God was merciful and gracious enough to allow their children to go in. You know, I wonder how many of us have been stuck in our lives, just going around in circles. Maybe you should start with, what am I grumbling about? What have I been grumbling about? Maybe if I was more grateful about my marriage, maybe God would do some miracles there. Maybe if I was more grateful about my job, God would perform more miracles there. Jesus couldn't perform where there was no faith. 
And grumbling is the absence of faith because you refuse to see God in the details of our lives. So we got to see it as sin and move forward. Amen? It's an attitude of ingratitude when we grumble. We need to count our blessings and thank God for every little thing that we have in our lives. A bad day in God's grace is still better than a great day without it. Number three. Accept responsibility for your own life. This is grown-up talk. We're we're going on from the babies that were crying around in the desert. Now we're talking big man and big girl talk. You know, my daughter's a teen. We start talking to her now about taking responsibility. My son, preteen, we we talk to them now about taking responsibility for their decisions, their actions, Because when you become an adult, if you haven't learned that lesson as a child, then you're going to want to put it off on everybody else. It's everybody's fault why I'm the way I am today. And the more we we blame shift and put the responsibility on other people, we're not going to mature. Just as adults, not even just as Christians, but as adults. Look, I grew up without my father when I was three years old. Time of blaming him is over. I'm 45. I got kids of my own. I can't keep blaming him. God has put enough godly men in my life to imitate. He's put enough father figures in my life to rule all that out. So that excuse has got to be buried. We can't even blame poor examples in our lives anymore because God has surrounded us by a great cloud of witnesses. We just need to take responsibility. You know, sometimes our complaining is an attempt to push our our problems off on God. Well, he's the creator of everything, right? He, he, He controls everything. He dictates everything, right? If we believe that God is in control, that's what we say, then he controlled my situation. So the situation I'm in is because of God. Let's go back to the Bible. Proverbs 19, verse 3, people ruin their lives by what? Their own foolishness. And they are angry at the Lord. That one didn't hit home. Let's look at another version. Some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions. And then they blame the Lord. Lord, I was happy when I was single. I don't know what I was thinking about when I was praying for a wife. But you said, he who finds a wife finds what is good. Why am I not feeling good right now? My marriage is not what what I wanted it to be. It's your fault. Stop blaming the Lord for our spouse. And God is like, what? Our kids not acting the way we want them to act? We're like, wait a second. When I had them, when I was holding my arm, that's not what I had planned for her life. That's not how I envisioned he'd grow up. He was supposed to get baptized at five. She was supposed to start preaching at seven. And we got all these these unrealistic goals for our kids. And when they don't meet them, who do we blame? The Lord. Because he gave them to us. 
probably be because we lose self-control at home. No, 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 no. It can't possibly be because we waver on our convictions and they don't know, okay, are we Christians? Are we not Christians? Like, what, what's, what's going on? Like, are we going to church? Are we not going to church? Are we... And our poor kids are dancing around and we're doing this at home and say, yeah, we're going to church. Nah, I don't feel like going to church. You know what? Get ahead, get dressed. You know I'm Nah, you know what? You know what James is going to talk about me. So, you know, get ahead. Let's get good. Come on, come on, come on. We're already late. See? We're already late. And we're waffling back and forth. And our kids are like, okay, wait, 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 wait. What are we? What are we? So it can't be that. It's got to be God. It's not what the Bible says. We make stupid decisions, don't we? I mean, come on. Some of us are still paying for our stupid decisions. And it wasn't God's fault when we made that stupid decision. But here's the thing about God. God sits back, and he watches us. He said, that's a dumb decision. But you know what? I can still work with that. Matter of fact, I'm going to take that consequence, and I'm going to turn it into a blessing, and I'm going to use it to refine them in ways that they never thought possible. That's who God is. So thank him instead of blaming him. Amen? If you want to keep shining for God, you've got to take responsibility for your actions. Jesus encountered a man who did just that over in Luke chapter 19. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I treated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Zacchaeus took responsibility for his own life. He didn't blame the Romans. He didn't blame the fact that he was under oppression. He didn't blame the fact, he didn't blame his circumstances where I really needed the money. So yeah, I took what I should. I took a little more. I dipped in the plate a little more than I should have. He didn't blame his circumstances. He took full responsibility. And he, would, he had readiness to see justice done in his heart. He didn't whine. And yet Jesus said that he shined. He was a son of Abraham. In other words, this man has great faith. He's a son of faith. You know, I met a young lady a while back who had the same heart and attitude as Zacchaeus. And while I sat in agony at the dentist's office, waiting for them to yank this impacted wisdom tooth out of my head, a friendly dental assistant named Annette came by. And she was having a conversation as I'm hearing her talk about God in the church. And I'm like, man, I should go, but I'm in pain right now. And there we go, that struggle of whining or shining. James, you're going to sit here and whine, or you're going to take the time to shine. And I'm sitting there, and my two, all I can think about is this pain. And, and she's talking, and she's talking, and she's talking about the Bible. And I'm just squirming in my seat. And I'm like, do I interject in a conversation? Do I interrupt? Here I'm already making excuses. I don't want to be rude and interrupt a conversation. And so God said, hear me, throw your boom, boy. And she said, so Mr. Warren, what do you do for a living? And I said, it's funny you ask. I'm actually a minister. And that 
course took an eternal, different, a, to, a totally different direction into the eternal. Your sister Annette was baptized last night in the Christ Jesus. whining about the pain. And let me tell you something. You may be in a situation that's uncomfortable. That may be the perfect time for you to shine. That may be God setting you up to shine. In the darkest time, that's when the stars shine the brightest. Let's stop whining and let's keep shining to God be the glory.